0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Welcome. It's good to see you all. This is a crowd. I was actually thinking it's Fourth of July. There might be a few less of you today, but... Here you are, this is, this is great, we're glad to have you. Uh, my name's Sean, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, I'm one of the elders and one of the preachers here, and on behalf of our church, thank you for joining us, we're glad to have you. Uh, also, if you're joining us online, I just wanna say welcome, again, thank you that uh, you're here with us, it's nice to be together, uh, even if you're remote today. Uh, today is a, it's a special day, right? Because it is the 4th of July, and the 4th of July is a special day because it is my father-in-law's birthday today. He liked the movie with Tom Cruise, which I never saw. He was born on the 4th of July. And uh, Larry is his name. Larry is a great, great man. He has been a significant influence on my life. Uh, He has taught me about the Lord. He has pointed me toward the Lord. He has encouraged my relationship with the Lord. And um, I'm just grateful for his presence in my life. So Larry, happy birthday to you. I am uh, so thankful for you. But, It's also a special day today because, of course, it's America's birthday today, right? Independence Day. And I love the 4th of July um, because one of the things I love about it is uh, I am incredibly, incredibly grateful for the country that I live in. Uh, In my opinion, America has afforded more freedoms for more people and more opportunities for more people than any country in the history of the world. And so because of that, there's a lot of great countries in the world. I think America is the best country in the world, and I'm grateful for the nation that I live in. It is a blessing to live here. Yeah, it is. As much as I love my country, though, and I do love my country... Um, There is something and someone I love more, and that is God himself. I love his word, I love his church, and I love him more than anything. Look, I'm already crying. I'm like three minutes in. If you're new, I'd never cry. This is totally something I'm unfamiliar with. I don't know what's happening right now. I love God so much, and I love his church. And one of the things that I love about God and his church is the infinite freedoms that God brings to us in a relationship with him. The things that help to set us free um, first are just simply knowing God. The word says that uh, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Jesus himself said I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so one of the things, the first thing that really sets us free is when we enter, enter, enter into a relationship with Jesus himself, it sets us free. Of course that relationship involves confession of sin and confessing sin can set us free. Uh, but the thing, the other thing that comes uh, with that, of course, then, is forgiveness from sin. And forgiveness is something that also helps to set us free. Uh, last week, if you'll remember with me, Jay was teaching us this section on, uh, really, what do you do if a brother or sister sins against you? And we talked through it. If you haven't heard that sermon, go back and listen to it. It was fantastic and super practical. Um, but, but one of the steps that we should be doing um, when somebody sins against us is forgiving them. And that's what this morning is all about, is talking about, about forgiveness. It's a short section. We're going to be in Matthew 18. We're going to start in verse 21, work through the end of the chapter, verse 35. So we'll just take it off in chunks. I'm going to pray one more time. We'll invite the Spirit to work, and then we will start. So bow your heads with me. Father, thank you for, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you for this church and thank you for your spirit. And I invite you now, Father, to fill me and to fill this place uh, with your spirit. I pray, God, that you would be moving in all of our hearts and all of our lives so that, Father, we uh, would be motivated uh, to move closer towards you and to look more like you this morning. Father, thank you for uh, the word that you've given us, and I pray that, God, you'd help us to understand what's being said clearly and uh, how that applies to our lives. So I thank you for that, I love you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, Matthew uh, 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked the Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me, up to uh, seven times? So again, Jesus just taught, what should you do if a brother or sister sins against you? So the natural progression, Peter comes and he comes to Jesus asking questions. Uh, as a side note, I love this about Peter, and this is a good word for all of us. Go to God with your questions. Go to the church with your questions. Go to the Word with your questions about life. You will not find any better place for information about how to do life and how to do life well than in, in the Word, in the church, and God himself. All right, So go to God like Peter does. But Peter asked, Lord, should we forgive seven times? And in his mind, I think he thought that was a big number, Uh, As I understand it, the normal traditional rabbinical teaching would have been that they would have said maybe forgive up to three times. And so Peter doubles it and adds one, and he thinks, man, I'm being super forgiving here, right? Let's go all the way up to seven. And so what happens to Peter next, I think, happened to him a lot when he was with Jesus. I think his mind is totally blown, because look what Jesus says. Verse 22, Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, uh, but 77 times. Uh, I think Peter was probably stunned when he heard that. Because again, he, he thought seven times was a lot. And so Jesus is saying up, maybe up to 77 times. Some translations say seven times uh, 70. And so the point that Jesus is making isn't that when you hit 78 or 491 or whatever that number is, that you just, okay, that's it, you quit forgiving there. Jesus is saying there's no limit here. You just keep on forgiving. And so... Uh, that's something that Peter's now wrestling with and he's trying to figure it out. And so Jesus, he begins to teach Peter um, what he means by that, by telling him a story. Uh, Good teachers use everyday uh, things in life to help us understand. It's one of the techniques I use when I'm teaching new nurses at the hospital. So when I'm talking about physiology and pathophysiology, how our bodies work and where they don't work correctly. Instead of uh, arteries and veins, they might be like tubes and hoses because everybody knows what a hose looks like, right? Um, instead of intestinal tract, maybe it's, po- it's plumbing, okay? So just easy stuff to understand and Jesus is a master of this in telling parables. Look what he says, verse 23. He says, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. All right, so this story that Jesus is telling, of course, is a fictitious story. The story he's telling didn't actually happen, but I want us to enter it this morning uh, because I want us to feel the weight of, of what it is. And so this guy who owes um, a ridiculous, ridiculous debt, um, it says 10,000 uh, bags of gold. Uh, the Greeks said 10,000 talents. Um, I did some calculations this morning, if they're right, and I'm, I'm good at math, I'll just say that. Uh, it was like 20 million, or excuse me, $20 billion. It, it was a ridiculous amount of money that this guy owed this king. And so uh, this king brings him in and he's, it's really too much to pay. And so this master orders that, that him and his wife and his kids and everything he has be sold to pay off this debt. Now, I imagine if I had racked up a debt so significant, first of all, I don't know what the dude was into, right, to, to get $20 billion, but, but, but if I had racked up a debt so significant that my wife and my kids and my possessions uh, had to be sold and then me had to be sold to pay that debt, even though it wouldn't even come close to paying it, it would be some, some sort of payment back. I can't imagine how I would have felt. Um, I think I would have been desperate, and this guy that's what he seems to be. Look at verse 26, it says that this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, he canceled the debt, and he let him go. This is unbelievable. Um, this guy's debt was financial, and it was massive. But again, Jesus is talking about uh, uh, forgiving sin here, and so when, when someone sins against you, the debt is not financial, it is, it's moral. And people, this guy included, had all kinds of excuses. This guy was like, be patient with me. I'll I'll pay you back. Just give me some more time. And when we sin against other people or when other people sin against us, sometimes it's easy to fall into this pattern of just trying to make excuses, right? Just give me some more time. I'm I'm sorry I did that again. I I know I'm working on it, but you just got to be patient with me. Uh, uh, just, just serious, I promise I'll quit this time. I won't do it anymore, right? Just excuse after excuse after excuse. What we really need when we sin against somebody and what this man received from his financial debt is we need forgiveness. We don't need more excuses. We need forgiveness and a changed, and a changed heart. And so I'm imagining this guy and what he must be feeling right now. He's just had everything forgiven. He's just had uh, the reality that he's not gonna be sold, his wife's not gonna be sold, his kids aren't gonna be sold, and he's gonna retain all of his possessions, and the debt's totally wiped out. You would think that would do something in this guy. You'd think it would change something about him. But it doesn't. Verse 28, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me he demanded. So this, this fellow servant that owes him money owes much smaller amount of money. It says uh, 100 silver coins. Again, the Greek was 100 denarii, which is about 100 days wages in their time. So the median household income here in the US is about 68,000 per year. So this guy owed somewhere between 18 and $19,000, right? It's a lot of money, but it could be paid back. I mean, he, he could have worked and, and, and paid that back. It wasn't even close to what the other guy uh, was owed, or what the other guy owed the king But instead of being gracious and merciful, he's choking this dude out and demanding payment. Look what the servant's response is. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. It's a very similar response, isn't it? I wonder if the guy that's doing the choking here is thinking to himself, yeah, well, that's what I said. I mean, I just wonder. I wonder what what he would be thinking. But he refuses. Look at verse 30. But he refused instead... He went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. This guy has received incredible amounts of grace and mercy and forgiveness, and instead of then extending that to to other people around him, he has no patience, and he has no mercy. I'll say this as well. The others go tell the master what happens. Um, Sometimes, especially if we are uh, especially hard-hearted, we can be painfully and embarrassingly blind to our own sin and our own folly. The master hears about it, and look what his response is, verse 32. The master called the servant in. Now, let me think about this for a second. I wonder how that dude was feeling now when he knows the king's calling him in. I imagine his plumbing wasn't feeling so good at the moment, right? He's probably a little worried, the master calls him in, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This guy's like, look, I canceled all of your debt and, and, and you didn't do anything with that. Again, the king is not compelled for any reason to have to cancel this guy's debt. He doesn't owe him anything. He just simply does it because he was gracious. He absorbed the cost into himself. And the master rightly asks him, shouldn't you have had mercy? And the answer, of course, is yes. And so the master here is rightly angry, and so he hands this guy over over to a life sentence to be tortured, um, which we know this debt could never be repaid, which means this guy His whole life, the rest of his life, that's what he had to look forward to. And so this debt could never be repaid. And then Jesus, at the end of the story here in verse 35, he comes to the final point. He says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is a sobering warning for all of us here. A sobering, sobering warning. Um, So what does this mean for our lives? Um, And the the short answer is we should be forgiving, right? (laughs) Right? parables. It, it, it tells a story, right? We, we understand what that means. Um, and so I just want to talk um, for a minute. I want to talk about what is forgiveness. What, what actually is that is? I want to define that for us. And I want to talk about where, where do we forgive people? What circumstances do we do that in? And then I want to talk about some principles that help, help us to understand how to do that. And so uh, the idea of forgiveness essentially is this. It's that when somebody sins against me, um, they incur a moral debt to me and to God. Um, and we have a right to collect on that debt, but it must be proportionate. Um, in the Old Testament Mosaic Law, they had this principle eye for eye, tooth for tooth. It was always a proportionate uh, response. That's, that's a justice principle. And so uh, the idea of forgiveness um, is this. And this definition here, it comes from a document that my brother Gary has developed. Um, this document's available right back here on the resource table where the sermon notes were. Um, so I would encourage everybody, grab a copy of that because it is super practical and it helps you walk step by step through what does it look like to biblically um, and rightly forgive somebody, all right? But this is a, the uh, definition that's in there that, that Gary says. He says, the heart of forgiveness is my personal act to release the one who sinned against me from my personal right to collect on the moral debt or to pay him back for his offense. Instead of giving him back the pain he gave me, I will absorb the pain into myself with uh, God's help. So it, I give up my right basically. I have a right to, to basically get back this person, but I choose to give that up and then with God's help I absorb that, that moral debt into myself and then God helps me to, to get rid of it, To help, helps me to go away. And so, what circumstances then um, should forgiveness be extended? The first one, um, there's only two, and they are comprehensive. The first one is, is that we would forgive and extend mercy and grace when people ask for it. Uh, Jay, last week in his sermon, he said, um, If somebody has something against you, and you think that they might have something against you because maybe you sinned against them, whose responsibility is it to, to go initiate a conversation? Whose is it? It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility to do that. On the other hand, if like the text we looked at last week, if you have uh, something against somebody else, they've sinned against you, whose responsibility is it to go and engage with that interaction? It's our, res- it's our responsibility, right? These, these interactions, they might be set up over a text or, or an email or something like, hey, I, we really need to talk. But like Jay said, they should be done in person. As much as possible, they should be done in person, face to face, so that you can talk and see um, each other. Um, Because the beautiful thing is, is that when this is done correctly, there can be incredible restoration of relationship. And so you might rightly ask, well, what if they keep on hurting me, and then they keep on coming to me asking for forgiveness? Well, the text just said, you keep forgiving them. How many times? You keep forgiving them. There, there isn't a limit. That's what the text says. Sometimes forgiveness though uh, will be accompanied by a separation and that can be necessary at times because forgiveness doesn't always involve reconciliation. There are cases of certain kinds of sin, abuse, uh, violence, uh, extreme pain, other things where it's actually not only uh, maybe necessary but also super wise. There needs to be a separation there for safety. Um, for, for protection and those kinds of things. There are certain kinds of sin that are that way, but that doesn't mean that, that forgiveness shouldn't be uh, the, the goal and being worked toward. So we should forgive when people ask us to forgive them. The other thing is we should be forgiving when people don't ask, right? Uh, not everyone is going to see that they have wronged you and, and know that, that or think that they should come, come seek forgiveness from you. Not everybody's gonna be there. Uh, it's also possible that they might not be aware that they sinned against you. I've had people come to me, I had absolutely no idea that I had sinned against them or, or, or offended them. So I would have never gone and asked for forgiveness. But they fortunately um, were biblical and godly and they came and talked to me about it and we were able to, to work that out together. Also at times people um, may be dead already and they can't come ask for forgiveness, but there's significant pain that they've caused and so we need to be working to be um, forgiving. So What do we do, though? How do we get there? Because I recognize um, that that for lots of people and for lots of kinds of sin, um, the process of forgiveness can be incredibly difficult. I know that, and and I think that you know that as well. It can be incredibly difficult, and so I just want to talk over four principles to help um, guide our forgiveness, all right? And the first one um, is this. We forgive by knowing that God's heart is to forgive. Uh, like the master in this parable, God is owed an unimaginable debt by every single one of us. Um, it's, it's a debt that we all owe him. We often in the church rightly talk about uh, the love of God and how much he loves humanity, and that is absolutely true, he does. One thing we don't often talk about, though, is, is how much outside of Christ, in our own sin, how offensive you are to God and I am to God in our sin outside of Christ. We are incredibly offensive to God because we have sinned against him and rejected him and run from him and done life on our own terms and and God doesn't want to be around people like that when we're stuck in our sin. God won't be with people like that. But we also know that God loves and that God's heart is to forgive and we know that because before the creation of the world, God created a rescue mission for humanity because he knew what we would do. And so he sent his son Jesus to live the perfect life, to die a terrible death, to be raised again on the third day, to ascend to the throne, and then to send us his spirit to dwell inside of our hearts. I love the gospel because that's God's heart for his people is to forgive. God is a forgiving, a forgiving God. And so God, like the master in our story, absorbs the debt into himself and he forgives us. He did that in part because of his great love for us and his desire to redeem that relationship with humanity. And so we can forgive by knowing that God's heart is to forgive. We also know uh, that God's heart is to help us forgive. God uh, wants us in many ways to be like him. We're told in 1 Peter, be holy because I'm holy. Um, we're told in our lives that we should look like God more and more as we go through our our life. And one of the things that I love about God is that when he commands us to do something, um, he also empowers us to do the very thing he's commanded through the power of his his spirit. Uh, Paul in Romans 8 um, talks about the fact that um, the same spirit, the very same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is at work inside of our hearts and lives. Think about that. Right? the same spirit that ripped the, the temple curtain in half, the same spirit that created all of the rumblings and earthquakes to happen when Jesus was on the cross, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, dead to life, that same spirit is inside of us, living with us, helping us, encouraging us, empowering us to live the way that God wants us to live if we've put our faith and our hope and our trust in the person and work of Jesus. It's incredible, it's absolutely incredible. Uh, there is a saying that goes around church circles. It also, I hear it outside of the church as well, and it's this, that God will never give you anything that you can't handle. That's not true. It's not. Um, Paul, in the book of 2 Corinthians, is talking about all of these troubles that they had in Asia, and he says that these troubles were far beyond their ability to endure. They couldn't handle it. In fact, it says that they despaired of life itself and they thought that they would die, but... God saved them. God helped them to endure it. God helped them to get through it. And so some of us um, this morning find ourselves right in this moment because of sins done to us that we can't endure anymore. And thinking about the idea of forgiving somebody is completely overwhelming, and we may think and feel, I can't do it, I just can't. The truth is, is on your own, you might not be able to. But by the power of the Spirit working in you, anything is possible. Anything is possible. God's heart is to forgive. His heart is to help us to forgive. We also need to remember or know this, that that God's, uh, or forgiveness brings freedom. We talk about freedoms lot at the 4th of July. We talked about it at the beginning of the service. And there's much in this world that can keep us locked up. Sin can keep us locked up. Fear can keep us locked up. Unforgiveness can keep us locked up. Even living in the freest country in the, in the history of humanity, we still can be locked up by these things in our lives. And so forgiveness is one of those things that, that brings freedom, not only to the person that is being forgiven, but also the one that is forgiving. And I have experienced both in my life. My wife um, is an incredible woman, those of you who know her can testify to that, she's incredible. And I have been blessed to have been married to her. Um, in a couple weeks we'll celebrate 26 year uh, wedding anniversary. It's amazing God, what's God, what God's done for us. Um, and I'll say this about myself. Uh, on Sunday mornings, you see me at my best. I mean, I ironed my shirt last night, I brushed my teeth this morning. Um, I even put on cologne because I think a guy should smell good. Um, I do. <laughs> You might not. I do, okay? Um, and, and honestly, as I evaluate who I am today, I am proud of the man that I am today. I am, I am thankful for what God's done in my life. But as I look back over the course of my life, particularly the man I was in my early years of marriage, I am not proud of that man Honestly, I'm ashamed of that guy. And over the years, there has been incredible pain that I've inflicted on my wife through the course of our our years together. Anybody that's been married long enough knows that. We hurt each other. And my wife has persistently and consistently lived out this principle of forgiving. She has forgiven me again and again and again. Praise God she didn't stop it seven times because I need it and my wife has continued to help show me what God is like by forgiving me. God has used her in my life, maybe more than any other person, to help me understand grace and forgiveness and redemption and identity in Christ. And so by her forgiving me, she has helped to set me free in so many ways, in so many ways. When we forgive, we have that opportunity to set someone free. But some of you have been hurt so significantly in some horrific ways That you're not sure you want the person that you might forgive to be set free. Because sometimes the concern is that it might feel like they're getting away with their sin. It's sort of this built-in sense of justice that we have, I think, that's an image of God kind of thing. that, That things should be just and right. And so let me say this about that. That forgiveness does not mean that there aren't consequences, Real consequences. Forgiveness does not mean that there aren't relational consequences, or civil consequences, or even sometimes criminal consequences that are appropriate and need to play out. Forgiveness doesn't take any of those sort of things away. But, but I'll say this about the sin that's been done to you. That sin will be dealt with in one of two ways. It will either be dealt with at the cross of Christ in an empty tomb in a risen Lord and in an indwelling spirit in that person, the same way it is for you and me if you follow Jesus, or it will be dealt with at the judgment seat of the throne of the King of kings and the Lord of lords who is a God of justice and will not let the guilty go unpunished. We can count on that. We can trust God of those things. And so forgiving them, uh, it, it, doesn't make things, it doesn't make things okay f- for them necessarily but it also can and, and does have the power to set somebody free and to live a life the way that God called them to and, and, and is commanding them to live. And so we should not withhold forgiveness because forgiveness sets other people free. But forgiveness also can help bring freedom for us as well. Uh, I grew up in a home with a man who was eventually became my stepfather. And I've talked about him a little bit here. Um, he was an incredibly smart, hardworking um, uh, incredibly talented dude. Uh, he could literally build anything. He was a home builder and a home designer. He could fix any vehicle, any vehicle he could just fix. He was really, really, really good that way. But he was also abusive and controlling and, and scary. And so much of my life was controlled um, by fear and insecurity. The things that I remember seeing him do to my mother and my brother and to me, painful, so painful. And so those things for a long, long portion of my life kept me locked up in a way. Um, they held a power over me that they didn't need to hold, but they did because I hadn't forgiven, I wouldn't forgive because the things that he had done were too significant. These kinds of things can even cause, I had these, I had nightmares about, about this guy, um, Some of you know what I'm talking about. Other people experience uh, physical symptoms, back pain, headaches, nausea, anxiety, depression. There's all kinds of things that can come when we hold things like this and we are unforgiving. And so, by God's grace, um, throughout my life, through some of the things we're talking about this very morning, God brought me to a point where I was able to forgive him. I even was able to pray for him at times, which, which frankly at first felt a little bit weird. but. I did, and God brought me to uh, that point, and I've been set free from that. The freedom that comes from forgiving, both as the one being forgiven, as well as the one doing the forgiving, it's freedom, it's amazing what that brings. And so we need to to forgive by knowing those things, we also need to forgive by remembering whose you are and where you've been. I'll invite the worship team to come up now at this point, um, because this is gonna be our last point, we'll finish here. We need to remember whose we are and where we've been. This section of scripture is addressed to the church, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so that's why I believe that Jesus has such a stern warning for us. Remember in verse 35, he says, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Um, If we are in Christ, then we are expected Uh, to act like it. We're expected to behave like God's kids because we have been forgiven so, so, so much. And so it seems to me, based on verse 35, what this is saying here is that if we persist with an unforgiving heart throughout the course of our life, look, I know this is difficult. I've worked through some of this process myself. It took years for me Okay, But if we persist in a continuation of a hard-heartedness and a lack of forgiveness toward people throughout the course of our life, at the very least, we're going to be losing God's blessing that, that, this, that this word is talking about. But at the very most, and possibly at the very worst, we may, again I stress the word may, we may be revealing ourselves to not even really be one of God's kids. Because God's kids look like God, and our lives should more and more, with increasing measure, resemble who he is. And so God's forgiving, we should be forgiving. God is holy, we should be holy. God is gracious, we should be gracious. God is loving, we should be loving. That's how our lives should look, in increasing measure, as we go through our lives. And so, I just wanna ask you a couple of questions this morning as we remember whose we are and where we've been. What has God saved you from? What, What has God forgiven you for? Is there an end Is there some kind of a limit where God will one day say, okay, that's it, I'm not going to forgive you anymore? The answer, of course, is no. Who has sinned against you and needs forgiveness? Who has hurt you and wronged you and betrayed you caused pain to you have you forgiven them or are you working on it even where it's difficult and then finally who have you sinned against that you need to go talk to them and have a conversation and seek forgiveness from them worship. One of the things that we can do to help remember whose we are and where we've been is to remember what's been done for us. And that's what communion is all about. So if you're our elders, our staff, come forward right now. We're getting ready to serve communion. Communion is a simple, simple meal with Jesus. And what we are doing when we are taking communion is we are remembering his body broken on the cross, his blood shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And we are uh, remembering and reminding ourselves of that, what he has done, what he is doing right now through the power of his spirit, and what he will do one day when he comes back for us as our great God and savior and conquering king. It's gonna be wonderful. And so right now I just wanna invite you, come forward, come to the altar, Take the elements, take them back to your seat. Spend some more time with the Lord. Spend some time praying. Spend some time worshiping. Spend some time thinking. Spend some time with his spirit. And when we've had some time, I'll come back up and we'll, uh, we'll eat together as a family. So let's do that now. The Apostle Paul, in teaching the Corinthian church about communion, in in chapter 11 of the first first Corinthians he says this he says for i received from the lord what i also passed on to you the lord jesus on the night he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me this is his body broken for us let's eat together I'm overwhelmed again by all that the cross means this morning. Thank you that Jesus did not stay dead, but by the power of your spirit was raised to life. He is ascended. He is at the right hand of the throne of the Father now. And thank you, Father, for your spirit that you sent to live in and with us, to empower us to live the kind of life that you want us to live. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have. Thank you for the grace you've extended. God, I pray for all of us that That, God, that that forgiveness, that grace would motivate us to be the kind of people that want to extend that grace and forgiveness and love and grace to the people around us. So, Father, I thank you for that, and I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, The psalmist, Psalm 103, writes this, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your sins and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen to that. Colossians 3, verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord God has forgiven you. Happy Independence Day, Grace, live out of the freedom that you have in Christ. I love you, and I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.